0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. You got a copy of the Word. Open it up to the Book of Philippians, chapter three. And man, what a marvelous day this is uh, to be in the house of the Lord. I'm glad that you're here. You could be anywhere in the world. Um, I'm so overcome, and overwhelmed. Not sure what to do with myself. So I'm just going to dive in and start preaching. How about that? Is that good? Today is Father's Day. A very special day, and uh, we want to recognize those, uh, those men in our midst that are fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. Would you stand to your feet right where you are if that's, if that's you? Don't be bashful. In the early service, I almost had to whip them into it. Don't be bashful. If that's you, man, how we appreciate and love and praise the Lord for who you are. You know, I know today may be a difficult day for for some of you and for one reason or another, and I pray that the Lord ministers to your heart and your soul. You know, when you have been blessed to have a good and godly father, you have been blessed indeed. You have been blessed indeed. When I think of what a good dad is, I think of my own. I can readily say that I've just got a wonderful father, earthly father. I think of a handful of things. I think of his attendance. You know, when you say you had a good dad, he was there. You know, you at your ball game, you look out in the stand, he's there. You know, at your school awards, you look out, he's there. He's involved in your life. And if you can say you had a dad who spent time with you, was in attendance for what you did, man, you're blessed. You had a good dad if he cared enough about you. It's rightly said that love is spelled T-I-M-E. When you're in a child's life, it makes a difference to them. Man, if you say you had a good dad, you think about his ability. I'm one person that believes my dad could do or fix anything. I had no thought that he had a limit in his ability. Even my grandkids, Tammy, can give testimony. Anything that broke in our house, they wouldn't bring it to me. They'd take it to my dad. And they'd say, Pop, can you wix this for me, please? Pop, wix it if you can. And they believed he could fix just about anything. And in a good way, you believe your dad knows everything about everything you think about his ability. You think about his affection, you know the spoken word is good. I had a dad that was not afraid and is not afraid to tell me with his mouth that he loves me. And what a, what a blessing that is. But I'm thankful that with his life and with his actions, he proved that love to me on a daily basis. And his affection is indispensable in my life. I think about authenticity. You know, it was dad that I looked at to see that the faith was real, that God was real. I mean, who he said he was, that's who he was. Was he perfect? No, not by any means. None of us are. But I could not argue with the fact that the faith he espoused with his mouth, he attempted to live with his life on a daily basis. And man, if you can have a dad, you can look back and say, man, he was real, he was genuine, he was a joy. What a joy that is. Not perfect, but a good dad. Now, my dad was... And he has all of these things and more to me. Maybe this isn't the case for you. Maybe there's some of you that maybe never had a dad. But I'm here to give you good news today. And the Lord has us in a specific passage this morning. But the good news is this. There is one in heaven who promised that he would be a father to you. He said, I am a father to the fatherless. It doesn't matter what your earthly father was like, good, bad, or indifferent. There is a father in heaven who cares for you. You question his attendance. It says that the eyes, doesn't the word tell us the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. He told us that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. Today we have an ever-present heavenly father in our life. He's always in attendance at our things. Uh, About his ability, the prophet said, is there anything that's too difficult for him? And he answered his own question. He said, there's nothing that's too difficult. There's nothing beyond the ability of your father who's in heaven how about his affection well he speaks his love to us through his word time and time again you can't read far in his word without seeing that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for the ungodly his word is not just a spoken word his word is a lived out word for he proved beyond doubt his love for us on Calvary's hill 2000 years ago when he laid down his life there for you and me beloved don't you ever doubt his affection for you. He loves you today. How about his authenticity? Beloved, let me tell you, he is who he has always claimed to be. He said, I am that which I am. That means I've always been what I am. And as far into the future as you can go, I'll always be what I always have been in these moments. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the great lover of our souls. He's perfect. He's holy. He's powerful. He's faithful. And he, true and beloved we have the privilege today to look up into heaven and call him our father jehovah god that's who he is today you ought to stand to your feet right where you are and render praise and glory and honor and to the one who is really worthy of all the praise our father who is in heaven thanks be unto god There's one more aspect, and the Holy Spirit's good to have me in this passage this day. I did not plan this. There's one more aspect that I want to bring to your attention, and that's what I call fatherly advice. When you think of a father, you think of someone who's always giving you advice. Now, sometimes he gives it to you when you don't want it. How many of y'all, hey, hey, you ain't ready to hear it, but he's still there, sowing advice into your life. I can give testimony that at 46 years old, my dad's still my dad. And when I see him, he's not ashamed at all to tell me what he thinks I ought to be doing and the good things and the bad things that are going on in my life. That's a father's prerogative, beloved. Right here in the first three verses of Philippians chapter 3, Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, gives us what I call some fatherly advice. He says, finally, my brethren. Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. But for you, it's safe. A father's always safe, isn't he? A real father's always safe. He said, for you, this is safe. Look at verse 2. Beware of the dogs. Beware of evil workers. Doesn't that sound like a dad? Beware of the concision. Verse 3. For we... You ought to highlight this and underline it in the Word of God in your hand. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we have how much confidence? No confidence in the flesh. I talk about fatherly advice. I found an article in the USA Today simply entitled, Dad, Some pertinent advice. And man, these are are real people who wrote in some of their father's favorite sayings. And you know what I'm talking about. As a dad, I have some. My dad has some that he's always going to sow into my life. But I picked out some of these that just really uh, spoke to me in this moment of something a father would say on every hand's turn. Number one, I want you to to hear this. Here's here's Rich Constad's dad. He always told him, never underestimate the power of human stupidity. How many of y'all, hey, hey, doesn't that sound like a dad sowing into your life? Never underestimate the power of human stupidity here's one that applies to me this is paul whalen's dad he said always throw away the box when you take the last piece of candy that's sage advice to anybody how about this one here's one for you uh construction workers i bet that you can that you can even recount this with me here's one dad's piece of advice measure twice and what's the finish of that once that's sage advice I can hear my granddad saying this to me I really like this one the second time you get kicked in the head by a mule it is not a learning experience How I mean, hey hey you pass that beloved the second time you can't chalk it up to no learning experience here's Tammy this would be your dad and she'll give you testimony to this if you don't need it don't buy it isn't that what he said that to us more time. Now, I don't say that to her. I say, honey, buy anything you want. And then, hey, I say that to her. I'm not her dad. Here's one I like. This is really, you have to contemplate this a minute. This really hit home with me. Don't let your studies interfere with your education. Think about that. Don't let your studies interfere with the education. I like this one. I can hear my granny. This might, I know this is Daddy's Day, but this one would fit my granny very well. Don't be foolish. Just because you know how to. I mean, I, hey, be foolish. I can hear her saying that. Here's what I tell my daughters every time I can. marry your best friend in life. I sow that into their hearts. There's one dad I'll quote. It's my dad. Over the years, he said a lot of things to me I'll never forget. But, you know, lately in the, in the latter years that we've had together here, every time I leave him, He'll sow these words into my spirit. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And then, trust Him. Seek the Lord, son. I talked to him for two hours. Dad, I need to know about this. And when we leave, he'll always say, hey, hey, now, listen. Seek the Lord. Seek Him. And then trust Him when He speaks to you. And what Paul's saying to us in Philippians 3 is, seek the Lord. Then he say, I want to know Him. I want to know Him. And man, when He becomes your pursuit, all of a sudden you begin to to do some things in your life. He gives us three things, sage, fatherly advice in these verses, that if you want to walk with joy, just espouse these words. Number one, He says this, be continuous. He says, be continuous. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, finally, My brethren, I love when Paul does that, and he's halfway through the book. He's still got just as much to say as he did before. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And the tense there is, just keep on rejoicing in the Lord. He says, to write these things unto you is not grievous for me. For you, it's safe. What's he saying? He's saying, man, this is something I've been telling you. This is something I'm going to tell you. And this is something I'm going to tell you every chance I get down the road. Rejoice in the Lord. He's saying rejoicing in the Lord is not a one-time thing parents, have you ever looked into the eyes of your kids and said, I have told you, and I have told you, and I have told you. I can't count the times my mother has said to me, son, if I've told you that once, I've told it to you a thousand times, why can't you get it in your head? And Paul's saying, listen, this is something I want to tell you. Be continuous. I'm going to tell you as often as I can, laying emphasis on it, saying, it's important that you rejoice in the Lord, yes, but keep on rejoicing. Doesn't he? In chapter four, he hearkens back and says, rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice he's saying man learn to be continuous I wrote this down in way of application joyful living and rejoicing in the Lord is not a one-time one-stretch thing it's something that your heavenly father intends you to continue in he intends you to get up every day and rejoice in the Lord He intends you to walk through every circumstance and situation and say, well, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Even in those moments that are tough and difficult, and we've spent a few this past week together, but we've rejoiced in the Lord and what he's doing. Man, he's saying, beloved, it's not a one-time action. I'm here to tell you I've never, and I've got I've got the privilege coming up these next two weekends uh, to be a part of the marriage of, of two wonderful young couples, two in a row, one this weekend, one the next weekend, got a couple more already booked for August and September. I'm here to tell you I've done a bunch of wedding ceremonies. I've never had a couple come back from their honeymoon and come to my office and say, thank you, Pastor. It was a great ride. That marriage thing was really good. We had the time of our life on our honeymoon. What? next for us out there. Listen, no. They want to continue in that state of bliss that they were in on that honeymoon. And man, I advocate that you live in that kind of relationship with one another. Man, they don't throw in the towel. It's a continuous thing to them. And the Lord says, listen, it's not that I just want you to praise me in church on Sunday. I want you to get up on Monday morning with a song on your lips and a song in your heart that's worthy of the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. You want to live joyfully paul gives you some sage advice he says learn to be continuous in your rejoicing secondly he says to us in verse 2 be cautious doesn't this sound like a father beware watch out look out for this that's what the word beware he says it three times in verse 2 beware three times he's saying look out Be aware that these things are out there. Have it on your radar screen that there are things out there that might get you. I love that first phrase. He says, beware of what? Dogs. Now, we've used that lately as a term of endearment. It used to be that everybody was running around calling their best people dogs. Man, hey, hey, this is my dog right here. Hey, dog, how are you? That's not what Paul's talking about at all. He's talking about a bunch of vicious animals roaming the street. And if you have a dog in your house, listen, there's an eight-pound dog in our house that believes she is one of the family. How many of y'all understand? Hey, she thinks she owns our house, runs the schedule in it. Man, she'll eat apple jacks right out of your hand but won't touch her dog food. I'm here to tell you she goes out when she wants she comes in what she wants. That isn't what Paul's talking about at all. He's talking about a pack of hungry mongrels that would as soon bite you as a look at you. Now, when there's a beware of the dog sign out, I take it very seriously. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? Even when there's not one, I take it very seriously when I come up on a dog. I don't know. I remember some years ago, I went to a training session for uh, for RAs down in Cary, North Carolina, you're looking at one pastor. If there's a job in the church, the Lord saw fit to have me do it before I ever got here, and I and I thank God for that. I did everything there was to do. I mean, you can't name something probably that I hadn't done in this in this little body right here. They sent me for some training to Cary, North Carolina, to to for the RA director. Man, I was going down there to stay a couple of nights and get some education. I walked up on the front steps to register. There was the prettiest little dog you. You've ever seen in your life sitting on the front steps right there at that training center man it was wagging its tail and it was smiling and I'm a dog lover I thought well I'm going to pat this little dog on the head I reached down there and patted that dog on the head that thing latched onto my hand right on the porch of that training center I was shaking it trying to get it off I was bleeding when it finally turned me loose I went in and told the guy I said there's a problem there's a dog out here that's biting a living fire he bit me on the hand he killed he said oh he'll bite you I said well what's he doing sitting on the porch out there he said well he normally don't he's had some surgery and I said well hide him somewhere don't leave him out there on the porch just to nail people as they're coming in my heaven he didn't take it quite as seriously as I did Paul says beware of the dogs he says beware of evil workers those who mix truth and error readily and with plan and purpose to ensnare you And to indoctrinate you in all the things that they can. He says, man, listen, don't believe everything everybody's telling you. All three of these warnings are against one kind of person. That person who would add something to the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. He's saying, listen, be ready. People are going to put requirements on you that grace never has. They're going to rob you of the joy and the freedom of the grace of God in your life by putting you back under the yoke of the law again. You see, there were Judaizers in that day teaching there's people that to be a Christian meant that you had to be something of a Jew first. How do we know that? He says, beware, I I, I want you to note what he calls them, of the concession. That means literally the flesh mutilators those who espouse the right of circumcision, those who attach anything to the requirement of the grace of an almighty God. I want you to ask you a question today. How many of y'all are glad today that you're saved by grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast? That's the truth of the word of the living God. And what he's saying is beware, not be paranoid now, but just be on the lookout. There's people out there that's going to tell you Oh, yeah, you're saved by grace, but. Oh, yeah, it's the grace of God that bursts you into the kingdom, but. Don't listen to that. You need to cut them off. Man, you don't even need to believe it face value. Something I tell you. I challenge you to take the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit of God to show you the truth of it in your life. Because the word tells us that he teaches us all the things of God. Yea, even the deep things that we need to know about him. Fatherly advice, be continuous in your praise, your rejoicing in the Lord. Be cautious, look around, he says, beware. Thirdly, he says this, be correct, be correct. Verse 3, he says this, we are the circumcision. We are the circumcision. Then he makes three statements that you need to pay attention to, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. He's saying live in congruence. Live correctly with the people that you really are. That's what he's saying. That's fatherly advice in your life. Understand first who you are and then live according to the truth of who you really are as you walk in this life. My mother never let me go out the door on a date that she didn't look me in the eye and say, Now, son, with that little smile that only mama can smile, you know who you are. You know who That you're a Christian young man, and I trust that you're going to act accordingly. Now go have fun. How many of y'all know moms can, can guilt you into anything they want to out there? I'm just here to tell you. She's saying, son, you know who you are. Now just go out there and live in congruence with that statement. Well, who are we? Paul, first of all, makes a statement. That clarifies our identity He says we are the circumcision This is who you are What does that mean? That means literally we are the covenant people of God I believe there's a reason that Paul didn't say beware of the circumcision He said beware of the concision Because he wanted to draw a stark contrast to what he was talking about He's saying we are literally the circumcision We are the covenant people of God You see there was an old covenant Its sign was physical circumcision. Circumcision on the body. Man, it operated under the sacrificial system, and it was dependent on the law written on tablets of stone. He's saying, that's not you at all. He's saying, you're part of the new covenant. The new covenant people of God that operates under the grace bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it it changes not the outside of a man, but it changes what's on the inside of a man. It's not fleshly circumcision that it it's that circumcision of the heart that's wrought by the Holy Spirit I'm glad today that the days have arrived that we have a new covenant with God one not written on tablets of stone but one written on our hearts I'm glad that he said the day is here where he'll forgive our sin and remember our iniquities no more that he will be our God and we will be his people that's the opportunity that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ and Paul says that is who you are today you have been changed by the power of grace into God's covenant People. Let me tell you what that means. That means that everything that God has promised you you can have is yours. Did you hear what I said? Now you say, wait a minute. He's getting out here in the charismatic sense of thing and calling money. And no, I'm saying that every promise God has made to us is ours by way of the grace and the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word calls me an heir and a joint heir alongside Jesus Christ and everything that he has promised to his covenant People is coming to me i'll enjoy it throughout all eternity all the good things that'll come to me from god's hand that's who you are today people of promise and paul is saying begin to live that way three descriptive statements quickly that i'm going to give you, you say well how do we live that way i'm glad you asked paul spells it out clearly He says the covenant people live correctly when they worship God in the Spirit, when they begin to worship God in the Spirit. Aren't you glad today that you don't have to come to the Lord in some planned way, some liturgical way, some set of steps you got to go through, some ceremonial cleansing in your life? I'm glad today that, man, I can just walk into the Holy of Holies connected to God by the Holy Spirit of God and there worship God in spirit and in truth. Didn't he tell the lady... the woman at the well. Listen, you say you worship in that mountain or that mountain or that mountain, but there's coming a day when the true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. And beloved, that is the opportunity that we have today. It's not in the process. It's not in the program. It's not in a prescribed manner. It's not even in the desires of your flesh. It doesn't matter if you like it this way or that way. We have an opportunity to worship God freely in His Spirit. How many of y'all would like to come to a church that just worshiped the Lord in spirit and in truth. Praise be unto God. That that's what our church does right here. And I'm thankful to the Lord for it. He says, if you're living correctly... You just worship God in the Spirit, secondly. He said, you rejoice in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad today that isn't about our abilities or about our accomplishments? Aren't you glad today that there shouldn't be any parade in the flesh and people's names being dropped? Man, the only name that's worthy of glory and honor and praise is the name above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we worship, it ought to lift high the name of Jesus. When we give testimony, it ought to lift high the name of Jesus. When we share our faith, it ought to exalt. The name, the life, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk about the end times, we ought to talk about Jesus coming again. When we talk about eternity, we ought to talk about the marriage supper of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that we're going to reign with Him throughout all eternity. Too many churches and too many Christians are talking about too many things today. There's really only one thing that we need to rejoice in, and that's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we realize who we are, we begin to rejoice. In Jesus Christ. Thirdly, these people place, I want you to say that two-letter word out loud, N-O, with me on the count of three. One, two, three. No confidence in the flesh. I met a man this past week. He was 68 years old. The Lord just kind of ran, he and I, into one another. I just felt compelled to share my faith with him and talk to him about the Lord. And he listened. And at the end of it, he said, man, I appreciate you doing that. He said, I want you to know that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done a life-changing work in me. He said, can I share my story? I said, I'd love to hear it. And Man, he talked about a life, and he used the same word over and over that he called rough. I lived a rough life. He went on to expand on it. He said, I was caught up in alcoholism. I was caught up in drugs. If you name it and it was a sin, I did it and did it with great joy. He said, I was married and had two sons and lost it all on my rough riotous living. I was at the bottom of myself. I tried everything everybody in the world told me to get my alcoholism under control, to get my drug use under control. I went everywhere and did everything and then he said, I met a man named Jesus Christ of Nazareth and he changed me. He said, what I would tried to do for years and years and years, he did in my life in an instant. You say, Pastor are you against 12 step pro? No I'm all for anything the Lord will use in your life but he said beloved if you want out of something let me tell you my friends came to me and asked me how'd you kick the habit how'd you quit drinking and he said I was quick to tell him it wasn't by my effort it wasn't by any man's effort in my life it was because of a work of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in and through me and man we had the time of our life praising the Lord for the good things he had done He was careful to say, Beloved, and he right here quoted the words out of this verse. And I thought, How good is the Lord? He says, I have learned to place absolutely no confidence in my flesh. Doesn't the word tell us in our flesh dwelleth what? No good thing. He says, Our best is as filthy rags before him. But thanks be unto God that we have one in whom we can place our confidence. The Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he'll never fail us. Church, we need to learn that we'll do nothing in the flesh. We'll never move ahead and grow here by fleshly effort. We never will. It's going to have to be by way of the Lord Jesus Christ. Home, your home will never get better by your own effort. It's going to have to be a move of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian... Wanting to know Him will never come by your own effort. It'll come because He wants you to know Him. And He's going to give you every opportunity to know all about Him as you walk through this life. He says, man, people who live correctly worship God in the Spirit. They rejoice not in their abilities or anything else. They rejoice in Jesus Christ. And they place absolutely no confidence in the flesh. I'm here to tell you confidence placed anywhere but in the Lord Jesus Christ is confidence placed in the flesh. You mark it down. It always is. What a joy. Fatherly advice. He says, man, if you want to live joyfully, let me tell you what to do. Be continuous. Get up every morning with a praise for the Lord Jesus Christ on your left. Rejoice. Hard times, challenging times, good times, bad times, doesn't matter. Rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, man, be cautious. Look out for those who would, man, wait to waylay you and lead you astray. Listen, I believe in life-changing grace, not grace that comes by a changed life. Did you hear what I just said? I believe in life-changing grace, not, not grace that comes by a life change. And he thirdly says, be correct. Just be, uh, live a life in congruence with who you say you really are. Fatherly advice. Can you imagine living any other way, but joyfully, if you did those things? We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.